Go ahead and grab a seed harvest. It is great to be here with you. It is the month of May. That means uh, April has gone by. And uh, a lot of things have happened in April. We've tried to build a building in the second wettest month in all of history. It's been quite a month. Um, Lord willing, I think uh, footers are going to be trying to be put in place here this week. But uh, that's not what we're here about. Uh, We're here about worship of the Lord. And uh, along with that, chapters 5, 6, and 7 tell about our April together. Joshua chapter 5, wow, the flint knife came out, and along with that, Joshua fell to his face to the ground before the Lord, asking the Lord, what would you have for me? What would you have for me, his servant? Then we're in Joshua chapter 6, the cool conquering of Jericho, and just how that whole story really is about relationship with the Lord and God showing himself big in all of that. And then Joshua chapter 7 last Sunday. Wow. Um, the utter devastation of sin and how relationship is broken as a result of sin. Hear me on this. For the child of God, ownership is not broken, but relationship is. And relationship was broken in chapter 7 as we saw that and the sin of uh, Achan and, and all of that and the impact on the whole. And the Lord then at the end of chapter 7, oh, thank the Lord, turned because they dealt with sin. They addressed the sin and took care of it. Hard to explain, hard to uh, take, but yet that's the reality. And relationship was restored back. Broken relationship is restored back with the Lord. So cool. And I got to tell you, I am just absolutely thrilled to be moving into Joshua chapter 8 after Joshua 7. Literally, probably the most exhausted Sunday afternoon I've ever had in my life after a Sunday from last week. Um, But I'm grateful to be in Joshua chapter 8. There's a lot of hope here in Joshua 8. But before we go into Joshua chapter 8, one of the things that's critical to understand, chapter breaks have a tendency for us to kind of break mood and break understanding of what's going on. And as we've been talking, uh, their month, uh, crossing the Jordan, uh, Jericho, their month was an amazing month, but it ended with a crash. And they're just coming out of the crash. And I want for us to understand, can you imagine... This time for Joshua, Uh, just this time for the people of Israel. I mean, they've seen success with the Lord, and then all of a sudden now they just had this. And I just have to say, you you have to enter chapter 8 with this understanding that Joshua and the Israelites had to have a level of discouragement and defeat from the past days. I mean, you've been beaten in battle by a small town. That's the reality of Ai. In chapter 7, they were beaten in battle by a small town. 36 of their warriors are dead. And an entire family is stoned. Because one guy took a cloak and some silver and some gold. And you're coming out of that into chapter 8. And I just sit back and I go, I can't imagine the fear. Them wondering, God, what's next? They don't know the rest of the story. They just know that what happened in the recent days was like totally taking the wind out of their sails. 
And here they are in this place. Imagine the fear of what's now ahead. Uh, But this is the cool thing. God is not giving up on them. God is not giving up on them. Open your Bibles to Joshua chapter 8 if you're not there already. We're going to be in that. We're big about the Bible around here. We just don't talk about it. We like actually read it, study it, and talk about it together. There's a new concept uh, today. But we're doing that. We love it. Joshua chapter 8. I just want to say, do you ever think and feel what I just talked about? You know, like kind of this whole thing. God must just want to give up on me. I mean, how tired he must be of me. How sick he must be of me. I mean, the same old sin struggles again and again. It's like, I've just got to be this broken record of disappointment before the Lord. You know what I'm talking about? I do. And that's how they're entering into this time. And I just want to remind you today as we enter into this, the Lord takes no delight in his children's disasters. And I think sometimes we can come across that way, that God is like sitting back on, yep, <laughs> showed them good. I don't see that being the case. He takes no pleasure in our distress. Now understand Hebrews chapter 12, he does discipline his children. He does. And there are consequences of sin, no question about that. Uh, but, but he longs to be allowed I said again, he longs to be allowed to come and pick us back up and to take us where he wants us to go. He longs for that. He does not get delighted over our disasters. He doesn't get a thrill out of the fact of our sin. He gets delighted. We talked out of chapter 7 last week out of the one verse that refers to repentance as an act of giving glory to the Lord. I don't think we think about it that way. Repentance is an act of praise unto the Lord. It's something the Lord delights in repentance and, and he delights in repentance because he loves to give forgiveness. His willingness to forgive never ends. Never ends. And this morning, if you come in and you're just discouraged and you're defeated, and you just feel like, man, I, he just got to be sick of me. This is for you today. But I will say, if sin is recent for you and it's not been confessed and repented of, I just do lovingly want to say it's time to repent, get up, and let's get back into the war for Christ. And it's a war. Let's get back into it for the Lord. Well, let's pick up. You there? Joshua 8 should be by now, six and a half minutes in. (laughs) Chapter 8, verse 1. And the Lord said to Joshua, Do not fear and do not be dismayed. How sweet. After chapter 7, I mean just this crushing defeat of life, sadness and death and everything that comes along with all that. And then here the Lord comes right back to Joshua. Joshua, do not fear, do not be dismayed. Sweet. Here we go. Take all the fighting men with you and arise. Go up to Ai. See, I have given into your hand the king of Ai and his people and his city and his land. A lot of things we could be talking about out of this passage, but I just want to say, look look at what it says. It's like, listen, I'm here. Okay, onward. Sin's been dealt with. Let's get going. Take, arise, and go. Get back at it. Like, like, let's go. I've got some stuff to do. So, So bad happened. Let's pick it up. Let's get back at it. Arise and go. Uh, And I love it too. He just says, I have given you uh, all of this into your hand. Look what he says. The the king, the people, the city, the land. We don't see this. I am so tired of you. I'm giving you squat. 
Nothing. I mean, again, God's willingness to forgive. And I'll just say it this way. God holds no grudges when repentance is truly made. Not repentance in, in inches. Not information coming out a piece at a time. Not just holding it back in a little bit. But I'm talking real repentance, face to the ground. Lord, it's all bare before you kind of thing. It's the Psalm 32 I referred to last Sunday. David says of his sin with Bathsheba, says, Then I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover up my iniquity. You know, you know, I would try and cover it up. You know, just let it ooze out rather than and cover it up rather than just confessing it and he says i confess my sin to you and you forgave the iniquity of my sin god forgives and you think of psalm 103 along with that it says for as high as the heavens are above the earth so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him as far as the east is from the west so far does he remove our transgressions from us the east and the west never meet that far, so far does he remove our transgressions. Listen, his, his, his grace doesn't give us freedom to sin. His grace gives us freedom to return from sin to him. Grace allows us the freedom to return to him from our sin. And hold on to it. Go for it. Love it. It gets even better out of this. Look at verse 2. We're kind of holding in verse 2, and then later in midway in the, the chapter, we'll be pausing for some time. Uh, verse 2, it says, And you shall do to Ai and its king, as you did to Jericho and its king, only its spoil and its livestock you shall take as plunder for yourselves. Lay an ambush against the city behind it. Uh, two things out of this. Number one, if you are here last Sunday, the spoils thing should just be like so sweet. Because remember last Sunday, or uh, actually with Jericho, I'm sorry, two Sundays ago with Jericho, that's where God said, don't take any of the spoils. They're all mine. All mine, the Lord says. And you can in some ways walk away from that and go, that's kind of greedy. I mean, God just takes it all. No, it's the principle of the first fruits. The first stuff is the Lord's stuff. Uh, by the way, do you think that way with your finances? Hmm. Whole another rabbit trail. But the first stuff is the Lord's stuff. And in that, he says, no, the first battle of Jericho, that's all my stuff. Now we come to this, and God is telling them, listen, the spoils, you have it all. You have it all. Listen, God is not a stingy God. He's not like, this is all mine. You know, like a little kids. You know, parents, you have little kids. It's like, don't touch my stuff. Touch my stuff and I'm going to like go crazy. God's not that way. God actually loves to be able to share his stuff. And I'll only say this. If only Achan had waited a couple days. If only Achan had just waited a few days. God would have allowed him to have plenty. And the cloak and the silver and the gold that he took at Jericho would have been fine. God would have had no problem with it in AI. But God said, don't there. The first is mine. Then believe me, I'm going to take care of you. And the spoils are going to be yours. I just If you think God is stingy, if you think God is a hoarder, it's time to change your thinking. God wants to share his stuff with his people. 
We are not a prosperity gospel church. I am not saying come to Jesus and you'll be wealthy and never sick. That's not the case. But God is going to give you all that you need to be able to do all that he wants to do in and through you. Okay? So it's okay. If it's okay right now, if it's like life's hard and life's tough, do know this. God's doing a work in you. God's not being stingy. God's doing something on top of everything else that's happening. Then the second thing out of this stingy thing, and God's not stingy, end of verse 2, there's a unique battle plan. A unique battle plan. It says, uh, lay ambush. Oh, Doug, what's such a unique battle plan about that? That's a unique battle plan because of this. We're going to learn and we're going to see here in a little bit when we pick up the pace reading through. We're going to see here that there's 12,000 people in the city of Ai. Uh, that's Brownsburg. Uh, that's Plainfield. Okay, that kind of give you a perspective. Now, it's a decent sized city, but it's not huge. Uh, the Israelites had some 600,000 men in their military. And I had 12,000 people. Now, the reason I say that God saying ambush them is kind of a funky, odd thing, because if it it were me, if I were king, I would just say, 600,000, crush them! It would be like all of Indianapolis going after Brownsburg, or going after, I'm telling you, you're doomed. But God in this, he says, no, no, ambush them. Why? Here's my answer. Because God said so. Just because God said so. I actually think God throws in here a little bit of a wrench. Ambush them. Let's just crush them. Besides, if we crush them, wouldn't you just feel awesome? Oh, oh. see how me it is? But God's telling him, no, 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 you go and you ambush them. A very different plan, by the way, from Jericho. You see, from Jericho as well, it was go walk around six days, walk around, shh, no talking, shh, walk around. And then seventh day, seventh time, shh, no talking. You know, remember Tony blew the horn? And then who was the warrior at Jericho? God was. What's happening here? This is unlike any, this isn't like Jericho. This is, no, 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 here's the deal. You go fight the battle. I've already given them to you. Hey, hey, if you don't like change, get over it. I don't like change that much either. You know, software updates. (laughs) I know the guys in the office love some of those. Just leave me alone. I got it down. (laughs) And now you're changing. Right, Nick? I'm just so that way. (laughs) It's just like, leave me alone. But God changes things. And God does things differently. He doesn't do the same thing the same way all the time on purpose. You see, because if it was the same way, the same thing all the time for you and I, guess what? We're just starting to cruise it out. It becomes the Truman story. I don't know if you saw the movie with Jim Carrey in it. Like every day is just the same thing. I even wrote a statement down. What is it? Good morning. And in case I don't see you, uh, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. And it was like the same story every day in the movie that it would go along. And we would get that way and we'd become very independent. But you got to understand, God changes things up over time. 
And when trials come along, they're different than ones before. When victories come along, they're different than ones before. God is always working on us, working through us, around us, changing things up to keep our face to the ground at his feet. Lord, what would you have for me, your servant, to do? Well, let's keep on moving. Verse 1 and 2 summarized up. Israelites are back under the command of the Lord. Back under, right where they should be. God tells Joshua, don't fear, don't be dismayed. He says, take the fighting men and go to Ai. Uh, I've given Ai to you. Uh, you can take the plunder, go ambush the city from behind. Let's pick the pace up. Verse 3, so Joshua and all the fighting men arose to go up to Ai. And Joshua chose 30,000 mighty men of valor. See, I think all the war went up nearby. And then he's picking out some of these. And Joshua chose 30,000 mighty men of valor and sent them out by night. And he commanded them, behold, you shall lie in ambush against the city behind it. Do not go very far from the city, but all of you remain ready. And I and all the people who are with me will approach the city. And when they come out against us, just as before, we shall flee before them. Got the picture? We're all coming up and it's like, let's go to war. And then it's like, okay, you guys, now's the time. Ah! That's what's happening. Run! It's in the Hebrew, it's that way. Verse 7. <laughs> then you shall rise up from the ambush and seize the city. Like, psych! And then they turn, uh, you, uh, for the Lord your God will give it into your hand. What a cool statement, by the way. This was a time where Joshua, I'm so, just the, if you will, as a leader, as leaders, it's the kind of thing Joshua is so, like, he puts these statements in at the right times. Listen, this isn't my thing, this isn't our thing, this is the Lord's thing. I think we're at verse 8, and as soon as you have taken the city... You shall set the city on fire. You shall do according to the word of the Lord. See, I have commanded you. So Joshua sent them out, and they went to the place of ambush and lay between Bethel and Ahai to the west of Ai. I'm not going to do maps uh, today. I'm probably here in a couple weeks. But Joshua spent that night among the people. I love that statement, by the way. Where's Joshua at? You know, up in his palace or tent, tent palace? No, no. There he is. He spent the night with his people. Very cool. Verse 10, Joshua rose early in the morning and mustered the people and went up. And he and the elders of Israel, community, before the people of Ai. And all the fighting men who were with him went up and drew near before the city and encamped on the north side of Ai with a ravine between them and and Ai, he took about 5,000 men and sent them in ambush between Bethel and Ai to the west of the city. So they stationed the forces, the main encampment that was north of the city and its rear guard west of the city. But Joshua spent that night in the valley. And as soon as the king of Ai saw this, he and all his people, the men of the city, they hurried. They went out early to the appointed place toward the, Arab, toward the Arabah to meet Israel in battle. But he did not know that there was an ambush against him behind the city. And Joshua and all Israel pretended to be beaten before them. <laughs> in some ways, if you could just kind of like, you know, uh, be hovering over and watching this. That is, I just have to say with a whole band of brothers kind of a thing, that must have been a blast. 
Oh, okay, you guys. Oh, I just had to be blessed. And Joshua and all Israel pretended to be beaten before them and fled in the direction of the wilderness. So all the people who were in the city were called together to pursue them. And as they pursued Joshua, they were drawn away from the city. Not a man was left at Ai or Bethel who did not go out after Israel. They left the city open and pursued Israel. Can you imagine now to step into the, 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 the shoes of uh, the people at Ai? Can you imagine in that setting where now here you are in this where it's like, they're coming, they're coming, uh, they're retreating. And remember it was at Ai where the same thing happened before. And here you are, it's like, dudes, we are awesome. Those guys are scared to death and they're running. It would be, it would just so jazz you up. And it's like, let's go get them, let's take them out. I don't know what it is, but small town us, we're taking all these guys on, some 30,000 of them on. There are 12,000 people in the city we'll see here. You've got to admit, man, this is a time to be feeling pretty confident about what you got going on in this whole gig. Verse 18. Then the Lord said to Joshua, stretch out the javelin that is in your hand toward Ai, for I will give it into your hand. I want to pause here for a little bit. This is incredible storytelling, by the way. Um, and not just story as in a, a fiction I'm talking about the incredible literary structure of telling this story because if this was like a, a, a movie uh, scene, if this was a, a movie script, you, you've all of a sudden built up to this point and right before that where what's happened is all the people of Israel have come up to this city and, and they're like, yeah, and then it's like, no, they're faking that they're getting beaten. The people in AI are like, yeah, and they're all running out and the city empties chasing them down thinking they've got and they're running after them running out you can just see the big pan of the movie of it can't you and they're running away ah! <laughs> ah! and then they're like yeah! and then stop and through all of this all of a sudden the text tells us in verse 18 then the lord said i, I want to hold on this for a little bit here Be because this is really important for life then the Lord said, as we look at this, I just go, wait a second. Didn't Josh, didn't the Lord tell Joshua the details before? I mean, why in the middle of the running away in the whole play and scheme of it all, why didn't he know when? Well, if you go back to verses one and two, at least what's told to us in the story is all God said is that I've given them into your hand, ambush them. We don't see anything about God saying exactly the details of how the whole thing works out. We just see the big idea that I'm in this and you're to a big principle, you're to go and you're to ambush them. All of the things we've read in verses three through 17, so much of this is Joshua and the leadership putting their own knowledge to task for the Lord. We don't see anywhere where it says, first uh, pick out 30,000 men and then 5,000 men. We see them coming to that determination. 
We don't see the Lord saying anything about which side of the city to lay ambush. We just see the Lord saying, do an ambush style thing. We don't see any of these kind of details laid out. And friends, this is so how God works. Uh, we often are a people that just want to know all the details. But, but two things out of this, I'll just say it this way. One, the Lord generally gives us daily information. The Lord generally gives us daily kind of direction. Uh, some examples, the manna, 40 years of manna. And there was no Costco a man, uh, manna thing going on. Okay, it was the type of thing where it, was, it came in the morning, they would go out, they would collect it, and if they tried to hold it overnight, God made it so it would disappear. It would rot. And then, but here's the cool thing. It wasn't just kind of like a God-designed 24-hour thing. Because then over the, let's say, the weekend, uh, the Sabbath time, when it was supposed to be that, they would pick up twice as much, and it would last for two days. I'm telling you, God was in the manna every blasted, beautiful day. Every day. And it's like, we're going to get up and, and we're going to get it. And we're going to grab it. And we're going to hold it and we're going to eat it. And then it's gone. And guess what that means? Next day, you're waking up going, I hope the manna shows. But can you imagine after some days and some weeks and some months, you're kind of like, this is Truman Show. And you get unthankful. And you forget about what God's doing. And you just assume God's going to just like give it, give it, give it. And I don't have to be a part of this, as Nick talked about, with our worship. Sometimes our worship, just in life, as well as corporately together, we just get like Groundhog Day, Truman Show. No, no. Uh, a couple verses along with this. Lamentations 3.23, it says, His mercies are new every morning. Not every week. He could have said that. He could have said every month, every year. He could have said all the time. They're new. No, every day is just this idea. Then the Lord's Prayer, Matthew 6, 11, Jesus said, give us this day our daily bread. And then in Matthew 6, 34, uh, Sermon on the Mount, right after that, he says, uh, don't worry about tomorrow. Today has enough problems of its own. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? We are amazing people, aren't we? You know, the whole planning thing. It's like, uh, listen, deal with today, let God deal with tomorrow. We, we key in on today, let God deal with tomorrow. He gives us the information and the grace to make it through when? Today. 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 And sometimes that's kind of the reality. That's generally how God works. Uh, secondly, uh, outside of the daily direction, uh, the Lord generally gives us, I'll call it just add faith direction. Just add faith direction to it. I mean, followers of Christ, sometimes we can think that God is supposed to give us all the details, kind of like he did on building the temple or the tabernacle. You know, I want this kind of wood and, and this place and this many things and, and then put a bowl there and have it there and then wear this kind of clothes. I actually, I'd be okay with that. In some ways, it'd make life a lot easier. But that's not how the Lord works. I, God doesn't say, uh, buy blank house, buy blank car. Uh, we don't see that in the scripture. Uh, he doesn't say marry blank. Uh, he doesn't say uh, uh, choose blank career 
or, or uh, blank is the reason for your present trial. I'll say this, God gives us the base, tr- base truth. God talks about money a whole lot. God talks about the type of person that you should marry. Uh, God talks about a number of things in it. He gives us the base truths, but, but it, it's faith is required in it. It's, I've given you the stuff. I've pointed you in the right direction. Now, what are you going to do with it? Are you going to take it? Are you going to work it? Are you going to apply yourself along with it? Work out your salvation. The point is, is we must enter into the process. God wants us to. Listen, mechanically, he could take care of the whole thing. No problem. He's plenty big. But relationally... God has designed relationship with him where it requires us to be engaged with him and that's exactly what he wants. That's what he wants. Engaged with him on a constant basis. Warren Wearsby has said, the work of the Lord requires strategy. Therefore, Christians must seek the mind of the Lord in their planning. Daily, just add faith. That's what God wants to have happen. I think that's what's going on here in chapter 8. So that means God's designed love for us in such a way that we're forced to be dependent on him. God hates our independence. God loves our dependence upon him. And so he's designed life that forces us, grows us, pushes us to be dependent on him. And yet, isn't it incredible how we push back? I got this thing. I got this thing on my own. God's plenty big to take care of it. Hear me on this though. I want to make sure for all you planners. Are we supposed to plan? Absolutely. You know, on my iPhone here, uh, besides the time that I sometimes pay attention to, I have on here uh, this whole week's schedule of what's going on. And, and, and I plan that and I'm looking at that. And I did last night to see what's coming up and what our evening's looking like and what's happening. Nothing's wrong with that. I'm not saying we don't do that. Instead here in this, it's this idea of we are to be, especially today, we are to be Bible-driven, Christ-magnifying, Lord-willing planners. Keying in on today. Okay? You hear me? With me? Then the Lord said to Joshua, not before, right in the middle of the action of it. Then God comes in and it's like right in there, fully dependent. And there he is, Joshua, now, now's the time. And I also want to add to this. All this means that God always has a plan. Listen, God has a plan. It's, it's all there. He's plenty big to handle it. He, he's got it figured out. And we are on this journey with him daily, given enough information, enough grace, enough mercy just to get right through now. But he's not giving us the whole deal. And that's because he's God and we're his joyful servants. That, that's the reality of what's to be happening here. So let me, for you planners, I ask you in light of this, who's running your plans? Who is running your plans? For you controllers, do you really think you have control? Seriously, come on. Chill out. 
Let God be God. For you worriers, be encouraged. God's got it all figured out. For you who are looking for a what do I do next kind of a word from the Lord, I'll just say this. Don't rush ahead. Just keep going in the direction. Be in God's word and let him speak to you. Okay? For you in a life trial, I just want for you to know, God has a plan in this. God has a purpose in this. It's trial. But God's trying to do something. Cling to him. Cling to him. And lastly, I've got noted here for you, proud. Think you're too sexy for your own shirt. Think you got it all figured out, all worked out. You're all in the right place. Beware. Because watch what happens to a city that thinks it's got it all under control. Let's read the rest of the chapter. Then the Lord said to Joshua, stretch out your javelin that is in your hand toward Ai, for I will give it into your hand. And Joshua stretched out the javelin that was in his hand toward the city. I'm not going to take the time to talk about it here today, but this is so like Moses holding his arms up. All the people are going into battle, verse 19. And, and the men in the ambush rose quickly out of their place. And as soon as he had stretched out his hand, they ran and entered the city and captured it. And they hurried to set the city on fire. So when the men of Ai looked back, behold, the smoke of the city went up to heaven and they had no power to flee this way or that. Can you imagine that moment? There you are, you think you've won and you're chasing after their military that you think you've just again crushed and all of a sudden you turn around and in a split second, you all of a sudden got the picture of what's been going on. You just got back-ended and you are going down. Can you imagine that moment? Uh, your family, everything right there in your mind, you're doomed. Because you just got caught in your own pride. And by the way, this whole thing is coming out of judgment. Genesis 15, 16. We'll talk about that again some more down the road. But all of this for these people, it's sad to see what happens. But God has given them time and time and time and decades and decades and centuries and centuries and centuries and centuries of time to repent and to come to the Lord, hearing about who Yahweh is and what Yahweh has done. And in Genesis 15, 16, it talks about this whole idea that God has been long-suffering and patient that the that the uh, uh, that these people would come to him and yet they've continued to reject him and this is judgment coming upon them it's sad it should scare the life out of us for the people who fled to the wilderness turned back against the pursuers verse 21 and when joshua and all israel saw that the ambush had captured the city and that the smoke of the city went up then they turned back struck down the men of ai and the others came out from the city against them so they were in the midst of Israel, some on this side, uh, uh, some on this side and some on that side. And Israel struck them down until there was left none that survived or escaped. But the king of Ai, they took alive and brought him near to Joshua. 
When Israel had finished killing all the inhabitants of Ai in the open wilderness where they pursued them. By the way, God is just not sitting on his throne at this moment going, yes, I'm so happy they got crushed. I think there's angst that, oh, if they had only turned and repented and come to me. All of them to the very last had fallen by the edge of the sword. All Israel returned to Ai and struck it down with the edge of the sword. And all who fell that day, both men and women, were 12,000. All the people of Ai. Joshua did not draw back his hand with which he stretched out the javelin until he had devoted all the inhabitants of Ai to destruction. In other words, to God's judgment. Only the livestock and the spoil of that city, Israel took as their plunder. If Achan had only waited. According to the word of the Lord, that he commanded Joshua. So Joshua burned Ai and made it forever a heap of ruins as it is to this day. And he hanged the king of Ai on a tree until evening. And at sunset, Joshua commanded. And they took his body down from the tree and threw it in the entrance of the gate and raised over uh, over it a great heap of stones which stands there to this day. Oof. By the way, uh, the rest of the chapter will be in next Sunday and ladies on Mother's Day it's not a war story okay (laughs) five closing thoughts number one out of verse one the Lord loves to forgive the Lord loves to forgive when a person comes to the Lord and receives him as a savior Not just knowing about him, not just hearing of him, but repents and turns and drives the stake into the ground and receives Jesus Christ as their Savior. All sin from past, future is forgotten. God has taken care of that. But relationally in this, uh, relationally in this, as sin takes place, it's the kind of thing to where we're to repent. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And isn't it amazing how slow we are to do that? I don't like to do that i don't like to go before the lord it's like i did it again but listen in our we don't do we don't drive by our thinking we're to drive by the lord's thinking and the lord's thinking is this is come come and repent confess it lay it out i am the great forgiver as far as the east is from the west i hear you my friend but i can grant forgiveness and wipe it clean and i just want to say this if you need that for today today Go to the Lord, face to the ground, and repent. Lay your sin before him. He wants to be praised through that. And your ownership is not removed, but the relationship is fully restored. The Lord loves to forgive. Secondly, verse 2 and verse 27, the Lord loves to bless. He is not a hoarder. He is not stingy. If Achan had only waited, Hebrews 11.6, And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. I'm not talking about be faithful and tomorrow you'll have a big check in your mail. I'm saying, listen, be faithful to the Lord. And the Lord, the rewarder, he gives. He loves to do that. 
Let him choose what that looks like. Okay? But he has come to him. He rewards those who earnestly seek him. Third, verse 2. The Lord loves to change things up. (laughs) Crud. The Lord loves to change things up. He doesn't do the same thing the same way all the time. Him changing things up forces us. Let me put it this way. Helps us to keep our face to the ground at his feet before him. The Lord loves to change things up. Number four, verse 18. The Lord loves giving daily, just add faith, direction. I want to know the rest of the story. I want to know what's going to be happening. I want to know what's down the road. But listen, God does it in such a way to help us, again, that we are forced, helped to be dependent upon him. And fifth, Joshua chapters one through eight says this, do life Yahweh's way. How many times do you and I need to hear that when we do life our way, it goes bad. But when we do life Yahweh's way, God does a work. And that's what we want to be. Lord, I want to thank you for the time in your word and the time in this text. Oh, what a refreshing breath as a result of chapter 7. A weighty text of 7 followed by a a relationship reminding builder of chapter 8. Lord, I just pray if anyone in this room has been doing life their way, right here, right now, in this closing time, that they would fall back under command. That true repentance, not partial, not bit by bit, true repentance, godly repentance, an earnestness, a zeal to want to make it right and pursue after you, Lord. Lord, we stumble again and again and again and again. You know that. You know that. You've lived among us. And you've seen us do it. You get our struggles. And I'm so grateful that you are a merciful God. So patient and so long-suffering. Lord, I pray if in this room, if there's someone who's who's just uh, known about you, but has never driven the stake in the ground, never received you as their savior, never made that declaration that I am going to begin choosing to step into relationship with the Lord. Today, I choose to do that. God, I pray that that would happen here. They would talk with someone. They'd come down for it at the end of the service and talk with someone we've got here. But Lord, that they might start relationship with you. Lord, in all this, I pray we walk out this morning realizing you are much bigger than when we came in. Thank you so much for being a God that loves to forgive, loves to bless. And God, I thank you that you changed things up on us to help us stay face to the ground before you in service to you. And God, even when I don't like it, I'm so grateful that you just give us enough information that we need. 
enough information to know that you're in full control and you're the one that we seek after, and yet you withhold enough information to help us to stay tight to you. May we be tight, trusting you. Tomorrow's your day. Today, it's your day as well, but today we're keyed in on today. For your glory, back under command. In the beautiful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.